them into their neighborhood. So I'm hoping that some of you will feel the burden to do the same thing, to encourage folks to um, uh, come. And you say, well, uh, may not, uh, they may not come. I've invited before, you know. Uh, if we truly believe that the bridge is out, and America is racing headlong with the world into the abyss, then we want to do everything we can one more time to try to uh, reach people, touch people, and let people know that we love them and that we want to be a blessing and that they can find peace and uh, they can have something that that the world can't give them and that society can't give them. And I was looking in the word of the Lord and I, I will start this lesson. I know I won't be able to finish it. It's very involved. And I, I felt um, <clears throat> that I and I have wrestled with this subject before personally. And uh, it is one that I think every minister wrestles with, every pastor has wrestled with, every child of God at some point will wrestle with, and that is a three-letter word, W-H-Y. Why? 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 And I know there are some from a school of thought that says you should never ask why. And uh, <clears throat> as a parent and a grandparent, uh, there are days whenever I would absolutely believe that that is biblical. <clears throat> because there were days when my kids, it was a role, <clears throat> you know, uh, why, and that first question led to another why and then why, and then why, and then why. And finally, probably nobody in here's crossed the line like I have, but you say, because I said so. <laughs> That's why. End of discussion. Put it to bed. <clears throat> now, I imagine when individuals say why to God, at times he probably feels similar maybe to what I've felt at times with because I said so. And that's why people, I think, would say don't ever ask why. And yet why, there are times when why is asked in the Bible. And I think, I thought, well, I have not ever um, I, I try to always use the Bible as a Bible reference and I will use it tonight but I am going to my first set of verses are not going to be from the King James Version the Amplified Version the Phillips the Oxford's Annotated the, it's going to be from Pastor's version of the Bible. Now you can read it in your own in, in the book of Job and you can read in Job starting in the third chapter because if you remember in the story of Job, Job gets hit. Boom, 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 boom. So many things that start happening and we know the behind the scenes. The devil has asked Job, I mean asked the Lord, let me, you know, let me have at him. And we know he lost all of his money. He lost all of his children. He ends up losing his health. And even his wife tells him to curse God and die. And if you take the third chapter of the book of Job, you can read it and you can come up with your own version. But starting at about verse 11 through about verse 23, just read Job 11 
third chapter, 11 through 23 sometime, and you decide if my version, my paraphrase version, is fairly accurate. And if it's not, you paraphrase it the way. I'm not trying to add or take away. I'm just giving it to you in a nutshell, and I've never done that. So it's a first. You can tell him pastor was preaching out of his own Bible. Here's what Job said. Why was I not stillborn? Why wasn't I born dead? Why didn't I die as soon as I was born? As soon as I was born, why didn't I die? Then he says, why wasn't there someone, why was there someone there to hold me, to rock me, to nurse me, or to care for me? And he asked that. Why did somebody, you know, because what do we know? That if a baby was born and no one cared for it, nursed it, rocked it, held it, what's going to happen to it? It's going to die. You can't just give birth to a baby, leave it on the shelf, come back in five years and expect that it's a five-year-old child. So Job basically says, why didn't someone, why did someone do that? Then he said, why should I have ever seen the light of day? I am in so much misery and bitterness of soul. I have longed for death and it doesn't come. I've searched for death more than hidden treasure. Why should I ever see the light of day when I wander about so blindly? I feel hedged in by God on every side. Now you can read it in the King James Version or the Amplified Version or whatever version you want, Job 3rd chapter. And if you get a significant difference opinion of what Job said, I'd be glad to listen to it. Because Job was extremely overwhelmed. When you read what had happened to Job, he was on a roll. Why wasn't I born dead? Why didn't I die as soon as I was born? Why was there someone there to nurse me, to rock me, to care for me? Why have I ever <clears throat> seen the light? Of, I'm in so much misery. I'm in so much bitterness. I, I, I have searched for death. I am wandering around so blindly. I feel hedged in by God. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what to do. Now I know no one's ever said any of those words. But Job said them. It's ironic. But after Moses was called on the backside of the desert. And we know what all he had done in 40 years. He returns to Pharaoh <clears throat> and he tries to tell Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go. And what does Pharaoh do? Say, oh no, as a matter of fact, I'm not going to give them straw anymore. They're going to have to work harder. And so Moses goes to the Lord and he said, Lord, why? Wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is this so much evil coming? You told me to come here. You told me to go to Pharaoh. Why, are you, why is it getting worse? And, and then he said, why is it that you've sent me? That's pretty... Strong why? David said in Psalms, O God, why hast thou cast off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? Psalms 42, I will say unto God my rock, 
Why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of his enemy? David also wrote in Psalms the 22nd chapter, and I know some people have said that this was a psalm that Jesus was quoting, and I don't know if he was singing a song or not, but it's interesting that the opening lines of the 22nd chapter, my God, my God, what is it? Why hast thou forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me, Lord? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? And as I told you, Matthew 27, Mark 15, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabathani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? These are the words of Jesus on the cross. Now, you might say, well, he was just singing. Well, why did he choose that song to sing? There's another why. Why? 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 And I, I, I recognize that Job's question was prompted by his own personal tragedies, his own personal illness, and from seeing those that he loved so deeply going through tragedy, even death. I mean, when somebody, I, I, you know Job loved his children. He offered sacrifices for them. Job did not just think, oh, well, fine, kill the kids, that's fine. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. All ten, one moment. Hard enough to lose one child. But all ten in a single act? And, and when you are going through your own personal illness, so Job had not only his own personal stuff, not only his own personal loss of all of his finances, not only the personal tragedy of seeing people that he loved and, and everybody here that's been a parent or grandparent would tell you, I'd rather be sick than my kids or my grandkids. Huh? I don't want to see people that I love go through something. I, I want them to be strong, do well, be good. Even rather see me be sick than my spouse be sick. I, I feel like I can bounce back. Whatever. You understand what I'm saying? Right. And so Job, we know, well, the, okay, we'll give Job a pass. And, and I, I understand Moses. Moses' question was prompted by his apparent failure as a leader of the Hebrews out of Egypt after hearing from God a voice, a fire. And, you know, if you've ever heard from God and you believe like God has directed your path and God has opened the door, and then all of a sudden it just all blows up in your face and things don't work and it doesn't happen. Why? Why, Lord? So, okay, we can give Moses a pass because that's, you know, David. David was, he talked about the oppression of the enemy. He was, in, he was depressed. He talked about people attacking him. Anybody ever been under attack, maybe justly or unjustly? And for whatever reason, somebody's mad, offended, upset, frustrated. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like the more you say, the more worse it gets. I'm sure nobody's ever had a 
discussion with their spouse and the more you try to explain it's like it why Jesus's question of course occurred on the night of his battle with the flesh <clears throat> going through unjust attacks on his character and his motives and liars and people that were hired to talk about him and to attack him and they attacked what he was doing and what he was trying to say and that he was trying to destroy the the temple and mockery and shame and spitting and And then the whole process of you've got three guys that are supposed to be close to you that you trust and you, you, you can't even get them to stay awake with you. Huh? You feel disappointed. You wake them up and they go back to sleep and you're trying to tell them I've got to go and die and they're going, oh yeah, yeah, all right. Oh, well, let's take a little short snooze. Oh, you talk about feeling misunderstood, feeling alone, knowing that this guy that has jumped out of a boat into the water has now denied you and you've, you know he's been afraid of a little lady that asked him by a fire and, and, and now I'm suffering the pains of scourging and crucifixion and 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 I'm hanging on so obviously we give him a pass as well so you say well what are you saying pastor you should never ask why well, I, I am not saying that because unfortunately there have been times, few times, and I've asked why and I try to get a hold of it. But you wouldn't ask why if you didn't believe something. If you didn't believe that there was something, someone that was responsible and that there was a potential purpose to what's going on. Now we can read Job and Moses and David and the story of Jesus and we know there was another purpose going on. Because we can read the end of the story. This was a battle between the enemy and the Lord, right? And that basically Moses was there and these were the first remarks that Pharaoh was going to harden his heart and the Lord was giving him space to repent and he wasn't going to repent. And it wasn't because Moses had done wrong. It was because Pharaoh was bad and evil and wicked and God was going to judge the whole nation. So we understand, oh, I can see the purpose I can see what David was going. I can. I boy. I got. I, man, Jesus, and we quote the scripture for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Hallelujah! Thank the Lord. He went through to Calvary. He could have called ten thousand angels. He could have had freedom immediately, but he suffered through the trial, the mockery, because. He saw me, one drop of his blood. Oh, hallelujah. If we would have been there, we would have said, man, hang on, Jesus. Huh? We said, hey, Moses, hang in there. Don't, don't worry. I know Pharaoh, you're not going to believe it, but you're going to walk through water here in just a few more chapters. Hang in there, Mose. Huh? 
Job, and man, I know it's bad, but let me tell you what, you are going to have another 10 kids and you're going to be twice as rich. God, this is, I, I read that you're going to get a vision of God like you have never had a vision of God before. You've heard about God, but when you get through with this, Job, don't ask why you're stillborn. I'm going to tell you why. The Lord didn't want you to because he wanted to show himself to you, Job. Huh? Yeah. I, I'd love to be Job's preacher because I know what happened. Right? We could be Moses' cheerleader. Unfortunately, you know, the reason we ask God why sometimes is because we believe he's good. We believe he's just. We believe he is love. And we're trying to understand what I'm going through. I'm trying to understand my pain. I'm trying to understand my tribulation, my perplexity. And we see David had a very similar thing. Psalms, the 42nd chapter. You can read the entire chapter. I didn't paraphrase this in mine. I put it in all the... Only Job's version was paraphrased. Third chapter. You can read it for yourself. King James Version, Psalms 42. How many remember this? The opening line. As the heart, as the deer, panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Remember that? Oh, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God, when shall come and appear before God. When shall I come and appear? <clears throat> that second verse, basically, in the non-King James Version, pastor's synopsis is, where are you, God? I like, oh, my soul longs for you. My soul panteth as the deer panteth for the water spouts. But you know what he was saying is, I'm looking for a drink of water. Huh. It wasn't, oh, how lovely God is. When does a deer start panting? Is when something's been chasing him? A wild lion? An animal? Right. Yeah. Huh? Right. Otherwise, deer are kind of like sheep and goats. They just meander around. Right? I mean, if you ever have deer go through your yard, unless you yell at them, they just kind of look for hostess and whatever else. And my wife makes a salad for them every year. <laughs> Plant some salad, they eat it, enjoy it. They come to the salad bar. I'm sorry, I've not ever seen one panting after a water spout. If I come out, say, get out of here. They just, you know, clippity-clop, clippity-clop, then, huh? Then turn around and give you the eye. So when David said, as the deer heart pants after the water spouts so pants, what he was saying is, that animal, something's pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, chasing it. That next verse, my soul thirsts for a God, for a living God. When, when shall I come and appear? And then it kind of becomes a little more self-explanatory in the third verse. My tears have been my meat. In other words, that's what I've eaten day and night while they continually say to me, 
Where's your God? Have you ever felt like the heavens were brass? I can't hear from God. I'm not getting an answer from God. I, my soul is like an animal that is being run into the ground looking for just a little water to refresh itself. You ever felt that way? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. With the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. David said, let me tell you what I know to do when I'm getting overwhelmed and I can't feel God. I go where at least I know God should show up. I'll go where God is. You say, oh, well, God will meet you wherever you are. I know, but let me tell you, when you're really overwhelmed, you run to the house of the Lord and say, maybe I can't praise, but I want to just sit in a service where somebody else is feeling the presence of the Lord. I can't hear God, but oh, it's great to see somebody over there getting a blessing. Before long, I want to raise my hand. Why? Because I know I, my why is... Go on, keep reading. Fifth verse. Then he asks the question, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted in me? In other words, he now starts turning the why on himself. When you get in the presence of God, and you've been asking, Where is God? All of a sudden, the presence of the Lord will make you say, you know what, why am I feeling this way? <laughs> Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. In other words, you start talking to yourself. You know how it is when you come out of a service and you say, yes, I know, I got it, rough, I know, but, but man, just to see so-and-so, they must have it rougher than I. Or just to see... Here's Brother Tim Galoni. My, what a, what a testimony. What a praise that he's been through. Here's Brother Reagan. Here's, and you go around the room and you begin to look. You say, wow, God performed some miracles. There's Brother Wickline came in. Never thought we'd, he'd ever be able to walk into the house. I have a praise. Lord, you've been good. You're great and greatly to be praised. I have something. And then all of a sudden, the why that you've been asking God starts turning on me. Why are you so down in the mouth, Pastor? You need to praise God for what he's doing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Why? Why? Well, all of a sudden, he said, why am I cast down? He goes on to say, oh my God, my soul is cast down. Then he was honest. Open confession. Therefore I will remember thee from the land of Jordan, from Hermonites, and from the hill of Miser. He said, oh my God, my soul is down. At verse 7, deep calleth unto deep. at the noise of thy water spouts. When I am overwhelmed, like that deer that was searching for a little pool of water, when I come in and I feel I'm overwhelmed, if I can get into the presence of the Lord, Verse 8, yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me. My prayer unto God of my life. I will say unto God my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? And as with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me. Ever felt like a, somebody sticking you with a knife? Felt like, well, bless your heart. Would you mind 
moving that knife you just put in my back a few inches to the left? Huh? They daily say unto me, where is thy God? But then you know how he ends that psalm? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. What, what David, this modeled a great prayer. If you ever get to feeling overwhelmed, take out the Bible and read Psalms 42. Play it in the Amplified. Play it in the New King James Version. Whatever. The message. Whatever. It's a model prayer. When, you know, he knows how to say, God, there's things I can't do. There's things that I must do. I, what am I going to do? How, what do I need to do? I need to get to the house of the Lord. I need to praise the Lord. I need to worship the Lord. I need to talk to myself sometimes. Grab myself by my bootstrings and say, hey, you need to worship God. I don't feel like going. I don't feel like being. I don't feel like it. I, I just don't. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Hope in God. Say, so, well, you don't just you don't understand. You know the discipline, the the persecution, the tribulation. If we are being disciplined. It's for our own good. Or the good of somebody else. If it's because I've been doing wrong, I need to repent and do right. My mom and dad weren't bad about this, but I've heard parents that uh, you know spank their children and say this hurts me more than it does you I'm sorry for a child's mind that's like oh no <laughs> don't go there because that ain't right and yet we also all know parents that Never stopped their child, always indulged their child, never corrected their child, never said, say thank you, please, whatever. And I understand, it's easier to talk about it than do it. I always like it when people that have never had kids tell you how to raise kids. Because that's, man, that's a snap. But the truth of the matter is, you know, if it's discipline, let me show you. Paul discussed this in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and I know several verses, and I, I really, I'm going to read you several of them. I don't want to... You read it, and I believe this is in the Amplified Version, or uh, no, it might be in the Phillips translation, but it says, surrounded, I think it's in the Phillips, it is in the Phillips. Surrounded then as we are by these serried ranks of witnesses. You remember what the King James Version, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us strip off everything that hinders us, as well as the sin which dogs our feet. Let us run the race that we have to run with patience, our eyes fixed on Jesus, the source and goal of our faith. For he himself endured a cross and thought nothing of its shame because of the joy which he knew would follow suffering. Wow. 
You've got to get your eyes on the end game. When you start saying why, you've got to start thinking of either this is going to help me or it's going to help somebody else. And either way, the Lord is never going to leave me or forsake me. I'm going to make it. He is now seated at the right hand of God's throne. Think constantly of him enduring all that sinful men could say against him and you will not lose your purpose or your courage. Basically, this next set of verses, he was saying, look upon suffering as heavenly discipline. Notice what he says. After all, your fight, verse 4 of the 12th chapter, your fight against sin has not meant the shedding of blood. And you have perhaps lost sight of that piece of advice which reminds you of our sonship. And then he gives that advice. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he what? Chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. So, basically he is saying, whatever you're going through, you have to look at it as the chastening of the Lord, the correction of the Lord. Now you say, but I don't know what I did. Why? I didn't do anything bad. I wasn't bad. Okay, well, either the Lord saw something in me, or he sees what he can produce through me like Job for somebody else. So either way, do I believe, if the guy knows how many hair I have and how many I lost last night, that he doesn't know what's inside of me? And I understand. I don't know. Sheena was, my dad can tell you, four or five years old when she said, I don't need this. I don't. I. We were correcting her and she basically said, I don't need it. Which was a red flag that she needed more of it. <laughs> that she hadn't been given enough of it. Huh? Anybody know what I'm talking about? We've seen the attitude and you go, hmm, you don't need it? Oh, honey. <laughs> oh, yeah. And if you've had little kids and, you know, I don't need a bath. Oh, I don't need to do that. I don't need, you know, I don't need a different size. This fits lovely. Huh? Huh? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And as a parent or grandparent, you're going, oh, bless your heart. And I wonder how many times the Lord looks at me whenever I go, oh, God, I, why? I don't need this. Huh? Say, so, well, I shouldn't say it. Well, you need to realize that I need to turn that back on and say, I know what I need to do. I need to get in church. I need to worship. I need to pray through. Notice what he says. Bear whatever you have to bear as chastening. Go ahead, next slide. As God's dealing with you as sons. No true son ever grows up uncorrected by his father. For if you have no experience of the correction which all sons have to bear you might well doubt the legitimacy of your sonship. After all, when we were children, we had fathers who corrected us and we respected them for it. Can we not much more readily submit to a heavenly father's discipline and learn how to live? For our fathers corrected us according to their own ideas during the brief days of childhood. But God corrects us all our days for our own benefit to teach us His 
holiness. Now, obviously, no chastening seems pleasant at the time. Yet, when it's over, in fact, most of it's unpleasant. Yet, when it's all over, we can see what it has quietly produced, the fruit of real goodness in the characters of those who have accepted it in the right spirit. Now, that's an important phrase. And I'm, I, 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 I'm going to do a rubric. I, I'm not going to be tonight. I'm going to show you. But, you know, if you are, have done right and you're falsely accused of doing wrong and you take it with humility, you will have a different response than if you take it proudly. You know what I'm saying? If you have done right and you're lauded, thanked for doing right, and you take it with humility, you will have a different response than if you go, oh yes, yes, well I know, I'm, I'm pretty awesome. Huh? As a matter of fact, uh, probably, you know, you need to be a third as good as I am. It's the right spirit, and yet, unfortunately, people that do wrong and are accused of doing wrong, if they have that proud spirit, they act. Don't tell me what to do. Huh? Who do you think you are? Anyway, not, notice what he said. For those have accepted it in the right spirit, so take a fresh grip on life, embrace your trembling limbs, don't wander from the path, but forge steadily onward. On the right path, the limping foot recovers strength and does not collapse. And keep reading, 14th verse, in times of testing, be especially on guard against certain sins. Why? Because when you go through a test, you can get bitter, you can get angry, you can get frustrated. Huh? He said, be careful that none of you fails to respond to the grace which God gives. For if he does, there can very easily spring up a bitter spirit which is not only bad in itself, but can poison the lives of many others. Be careful, too, that none of you falls into impurity or loses his reverence for the things of God, like Esau. was willing to sell his birthright for a momentary hunger of his body. Now afterwards, when they wanted to have a blessing that was birthright, he was refused and never afterwards found a way of repentance, so he sought it desperately with tears. And I know you can go through the Bible, and I can't understand. Why did the widow of Nain get her son raised back to life and other mothers didn't? Why did Peter get out of prison? John the Baptist didn't. Why did Elijah go in a whirlwind and Joseph in a coffin? Lazarus's family. How did they feel when Lazarus died? How about the two guys that had heard about the resurrection and were walking on the road of Emmaus? You know, and you go, well, why, why, why? And they asked the Lord when he appeared and they didn't even know who he was. And they said, are you been in Jerusalem all this time and you don't understand? What are you saying? I, I know that we have all battled the why questions. And yet there, there is a sense that what does the Bible say? You have this treasure in what? Earthen vessels. Anybody remember those verses? You have this treasure in earthen vessels. 
And maybe my my mother <coughs> taught art for retired after teaching art for how many years? 35 years in the high school. Of course, graduated from college, art. And um, <coughs> she did a, a plethora of things in mediums. They, some batiking, some pottery, some watercolor, some drawing. And every year she had all kinds of things and they had wheels. And, and uh, I don't know if any of you have ever tried to work with a pottery wheel and throw a pot and know the process. And I, I could probably get my mother to spend an hour talking to you about it, but I remember that you had to have the clay and you had to throw it down and throw it down and throw it down because you had to get all the air bubbles to come up out of the clay. You keep slapping it down. Now I know if you go down here to the pottery place and they already have greenware, looks white, but they call it greenware. You can paint it and fire it, but if you're doing it all yourself, you're throwing it down and throwing it down. Then you finally throw it and hopefully you get it in the middle of the wheel. Now if you're doing a coil pot, it's different. You roll it out like a snake and coil it around, but if you're, you're doing an earthen vessel and you're trying to it's, it's, it's tough. You're trying to pull it up and have to keep your hands wet but not too wet or you have a mud puddle and you know and then the wheel and the pot starts looking like a drunk monkey and anybody know what I'm talking about? And, you know, and you're pulling it up and then you get the sides too thin and they start leaning in and oh I gotta get more clay up here and more likely than not you're pushing it all back together throw it and throw it and throw it and throw it and throw it starting all over nobody likes that process throw it and throw it and throw it and then when you get all through and you've caught it and praise the Lord, it's beautiful. And you take a wire and you pull it across and you cut the top off and hallelujah. Then you put it in the fire. Wow, God good. Where are you in the earthen vessel stage? Why God do I feel like I'm being thrown against a wall? Why, God, does it feel like my life is going round and round and round and crazy and crazy? Huh? Why does it feel like I'm being thrown in the fire? Well, let me tell you, that's the last step. So if indeed this is the fiery furnace, we're fixing to come out of it. Amen. Let me tell you what. The Bible says that the Lord is going to come and burn this earth up with fire. What's going on in California and Portland and temperatures and all that is a sign of the time. The kill is getting hot, folks. Oh, let me tell you why you're feeling like you're going round in circles. God's finishing the final. Hallelujah. We'll talk about it some more. Maybe not this Sunday. Next Wednesday we won't, but we'll get back to it. I'm going to figure out why. All right? Let's stand. Hallelujah. Good to have all of you here. I, I wish I could tell you where are we? Are we at the getting ready to take us off the wheel and put us in the kill? Or are we I don't know, but I can tell you, it's getting hot. Yes. It tells me the Lord's fixing to come. Yes. Something's fixing to happen. 
You say, oh, they've said that. Let me tell you, that where is the promise of his coming? I still believe it. I talked to a minister just this week, and he said, I know we've said it, but I, it, we have to be the generation the Lord will return, and we'll see it with our own eyes. I said, you know what? I'm in 100% agreement. We've seen so many signs and wonders and time. It tells me the Lord knows what's going on. Don't think for a moment that it was sloppy Chinese or it was terrible bats or whatever. The Lord allowed all of this. He allowed it. I, it may have been sloppy Chinese. It may have been a, a vampire bat, but I'm going to tell you, the Lord allowed it. So that people hopefully would one more time say, Lord, I want to turn to you. I need, because under the stress of this, I need the Lord to work on me. That's why. I need the Lord to work on me for his holiness. Sorry, I'm not quite there yet. You may be. <laughs> when they see you, they may go, man, I see Jesus. But they still see a little of my flesh. He's going to have to slap me around a little more. Hallelujah. Honest confession. Good for the soul. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your many blessings. I thank you for your people. I thank you for this group here on a Wednesday night that loves your word, loves your presence, loves to be in your presence. Lord, I know we have honestly all felt overwhelmed and we felt like Job and we felt like Moses and David and Jesus and countless others in the Bible. But God, somehow let us turn that prayer back to you and say, why, soul, are you disquieted? I can hope in God. I know who my strength is. I know where my source is. I know where my help is. My help cometh from him that made heaven and earth and the seas and all that is therein. Lord, you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think, according to the power that flows through us. Bless us. Keep us, use us in Jesus' name. Strengthen us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Salute somebody. Invite somebody to church on July 4th, Sunday morning.